Good morning, and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spirited and spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, dedicated to being in right relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by greeting one another in the comments, if you have comments, on the platform in which you are streaming. Even if you don't have comments, we welcome you. We're very glad that you're here. We hope you enjoy your time with us. We go on with lighting our chalice. Please join me as we light the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship today was written by Starhawk. Earth Mother, Star Mother, you who are called by a thousand names, may all remember we are cells in your body and dance together. You are the grain and the loaf that sustains us each day. And as you are patient with our struggles to learn, so shall we be patient with ourselves and each other. We are radiant light and sacred dark, the balance. You are the embrace that heartens and the freedom beyond fear. Within you, we are born. We grow, live, and die You bring us around the circle to rebirth. Within us, you dance forever. congregation wrote itself a mission to guide us as we move together into the future. It has been very helpful to us as we make our decisions and shape our narrative about who we are. This is who we are. Say it with me. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Every time we say our mission, we have a moment for beloved community, and I've been Uh, beginning to take us through the proposed eighth principle 
for Unitarian Universalism. Now, I have to say, the first UU response to this principle is let's rewrite it because we love rewriting things. It's one of our ways of avoiding talking about things. <laughs> and so I'm just going to start again and read it from the beginning and then talk about the second phrase because I talked about the first one last week, which I'm sure you recall completely. We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. So last week I talked about how it is a spiritual uh, unwholeness unwholesomeness, a spiritual dis-ease, to be buoyed up by a system which oppresses other people. So many of us are, uh, we are enjoying the advantages of a culture which is tilted to keep white folks at the top. Um, even though we don't want to be part of it, we don't need to feel guilty being part of it. We do need to know about it if we identify as white. And even if we are people of color, uh, this culture has permeated our cells and our bones. And so it's within us as well. And it behooves us to know about it. So we journey to spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community. Okay. Working, what we're doing is working to build a community that is diverse. There are so many ways of being diverse. You can have people of different skin colors, of course. You can have people of different ethnicities. You can have people of different cultures, people of different backgrounds, people of different classes. Yes, Virginia, there are classes in America. We can have people with different grammar. We can have people with different uh, experience with braces on their teeth, growing up in different kinds of neighborhoods, different abilities in their body, different levels of wellness and sickness. We have all kinds of diversities in our world. And in Unitarian Universalism, we want to be open and learning and enriched by them all because there's a poverty in the lack of diversity. And when you have a church where everybody likes the same kind of music, and everybody likes the same kind of worship, and everybody's like-minded, you are impoverished. You may not feel it, but you are. And if you can learn to become curious about other cultures, and if you can learn to become competent in speaking about other cultures, and in meeting folks of other cultures, and in not saying stupid stuff to folks of other cultures, then you make your own church broader and wider and more welcoming. It's not welcoming when someone of another culture comes in and someone fingers their clothes and says, what a nice costume you're wearing. It's not a costume. That's their clothes. That's just one example. Another example. It's not welcoming when someone comes in with a fabulous dreadlocked hairstyle and skin the color of coffee with no cream, and someone comes and goes, ooh, grabs their hair and starts touching their hair and says, I love your beautiful hair. No, no. We become competent enough to know that you do not touch other people's hair. You just don't. Until you know them very, 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 very well. Okay. So 
we build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community. And the way we do that is by being as welcoming as we can learn how to be. We think we already are, but we've got a lot to learn. Good morning. We all have feelings. Sometimes we have big feelings. Sometimes those big feelings make us act in ways that don't feel good to us or to the people around us. Today we're going to read a funny book about what happens when those big feelings make us act in kind of crazy ways and some ideas for what we can do instead. How do dinosaurs say goodbye? There are some dogs in my neighborhood who are trying to say hello while we are reading about saying goodbye. How does a dinosaur say goodbye? Does he shake his head hard? Does she give a loud cry? Does he hide in his bedroom an ache in his tummy the first day of school because he won't see his mummy? Does she stay in the girl's room, her tears on the tile, though the school nurse keeps trying to get her to smile? Or when dad leaves for work, does she grab at his coat or stick in his pocket a very sad note? When his parents go out for a date at the mall, does the dinosaur crayon, don't go, on the wall? When grandma goes home again after a stay, does a dinosaur mess up the guest room that day? If mom's in the hospital and dad visits a bit, does a dinosaur yell at the girl come to sit? Does a dinosaur run as they're moving time nears down the street to the neighbors, eyes streaming with tears? No, dinosaurs don't. They face their worst fears. They tell all the grown-ups just how they are feeling. It helps right away for fast dinosaur healing. They give lots of hugs and they get lots back too. Cause that's what each dinosaur parent will do. Then dinosaur kids make a big paper heart. They fill it with love for the time they're apart. They give goodbye kisses and walk out the door. Goodbye with a heart little dinosaur. Our meditation reading for today is The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon?
Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Now is the time in our service for meditation and prayer where we become quiet together and speak and listen to God as we understand God. It's the time in our service where we pay attention to the wisdom that's within us or where we just follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Please let's enter together into breathing and silence. And now, if you have candles at your house, you are welcome to light a candle, a candle of joy or sorrow, hope or remembrance or determination. Sometimes I just speak my sermon topic into Google and see what other people are saying about it. And so I spoke into Google and I said, Google, how do you say a good goodbye? That's when I found out that there's really nothing written about this. Google said, instead of goodbye, say, see you later. Or adios. Or, see you tomorrow, in a while, crocodile. See you later, alligator. Hasta la vista. Okay, I'm reading this list, and it's not at all what I wanted or needed. So, I thought about saying goodbye to my family. I've told you the story, I think, about when my great-grandfather retired from his church, which he had served for 54 years. He was 80 something, 80, he had just turned 80. And he got up in this pulpit and he said, after the sermon, I do not believe that a man who is over 80 years old should be serving a church. So I'm going to retire today. Brother Matthew, would you have a prayer? And Brother Matthew, surprised and stunned, stood up to start uh, praying And as he prayed, my grandfather walked down the aisle and out of the church doors. Ah, that's not the kind of goodbye I want to do, even though it is part of my family tradition. (laughs) 
I learned more about that when I read at one point about what they call an Irish goodbye, which it might be horrible, I don't know, to say that. But the Irish goodbye is when you're at a party and you just don't want to deal with saying goodbye. So you leave your jacket on the chair and you say, I'll be right back. And then you walk out the door and go get your jacket another day. Mostly in my family, what we do is the traditional southern and Texas goodbye, which is that when you're ready to go, you start kind of making noises and movements as if like, well, it's, I guess it's getting late. I guess it's time. And, or you go, well, it's been great. And then you go, then there's the stage where you go, we got to be going. Time to get going. Okay, we got to be going. And then you stand up. And then you start hugging. And then you walk to the driveway and you talk some more. And you hug some more. And then you get in the car. And you talk some more as you're getting in the car and say goodbye some more. And then as the car leaves, you roll down the window and wave and go, bye. And someone else goes, bye. And then somebody shouts, watch for deer. That's a traditional Southern goodbye. And it takes quite a while. So what I want to tell you is that we are going to have long enough to say goodbye in a traditional Texas way. Until the very end when someone can shout, watch for deer. (laughs) So uh, a good goodbye has these elements in it, as opposed to all the things I've been talking about so far. A good goodbye has all these elements in it. You, You name the grief and the loss. You name the gratitude and you say thank you. You name the growth and the difficulties. Now, I raised two sons, and I know there must have been difficulties, but I don't remember. And I can say with a perfectly straight face, we never had a moment's trouble with either of them. And that's how I feel about this church. We never had a moment's difficulty at all. There was nothing that was hard at all. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) So today, I'm naming the grief and the loss. And part of what's happening is it's grief upon grief, because we've already been in this grievy time of this stupid pandemic, this stupid virus that's been taking so many of us and adding fear to our everyday activities, taking away movies and fellowship and friends and hugs and taking away breathing the same air as the people that we love and that we are friends with. It's taken away so much and it's added fear to just like going to the grocery store, hanging around other people. You have to have like tests and masks and it's gross and it's grievy. It's not the way we want to be. It's not normal. So it's taken away our sense of normalcy. And then there's also this uh, sense of endlessness. Because we just get over one variant and then there's rumors of another variant. And then it either comes or it doesn't. And we just are ready to be done. And so we're, we're mad. 
and we're sad and we're upset um, already. And then comes this announcement that your minister is sick and is leaving uh, to retire, to go do counseling and writing. And that there's a, been a, like a TikTok put on her number of years left to live. And it's sad and it's upsetting. And I am mad that I got sick in the middle of this pandemic with an illness that has nothing to do with the virus. And I want to talk to the manager. I do. Because <laughs> this shouldn't happen. So the stages of grief have been very much with me. You know, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the um, depression, and the acceptance. And I, I careen from one to the other, to the other, to the other, sometimes in the space of one day. Mostly depression, acceptance, depression, acceptance, depression, acceptance. Denial. That's the most comfortable. I love that. Um, If you followed my line of mood, it would look like a scribble. And I think that's how a lot of us deal with grief. We don't go linearly through the stages. We just bounce around them. And so, and there is present grief. And that is gross enough But there is also anticipatory grief where you picture all the things that could happen and you grieve about all the things that might happen before they even happen. So that's a lot of work to do, to grieve things that haven't happened yet and might not even happen. But your mind conjures up the worst scenarios. And many of us are doing that about the church. Like, I am not because I know the people but some of y'all are worried about the church. Will everything fall apart? Anticipatory grief. Will everything fall apart? No. It will not fall apart because if I had made this church a church that depended completely on me, I would have been doing a terrible job for the last 11 years. And I want you to know that Reverend Chris is here and that Kelly is here, and that Brent is here, and Katrina is here, and Cami is here, and Shannon is here, and they will carry you, and the board is here, and this is a good board, and they've been good boards for the last 11 years. These are people who know how to do and know what to do, and if they don't know what to do, they know how to find out what to do. So nothing is going to fall apart. So don't grieve over that. Um, my favorite stage in all of this, as I've hinted, is denial. And after this sermon is over, I plan to enter back into denial for as long as I can possibly manage it. And you're welcome to join me there. But um, <laughs> there is like nothing to see here. Nothing's happening. La, la, la. And that is fine. But I think there might be some anger. And y'all are going to feel bad being angry at me. So um, you're going to be angry at maybe somebody else. And I would ask you to notice that if there are surprising little dumb fights that, that kick up 
around the church. Um, I want you all to go, oh, there it is. There it is. There's that anger that's part of grief. It's not about who left dishes in the kitchen sink. It's not about who left the doors open. It's not about that. It's the anger part of grief. So I'd look for some unnecessary fights. And I'm not even sure um, what the bargaining stage might look like for a whole church or uh, what the depression stage might look like that's any different from what we've been looking like for the last two years. This has been a depressing time and everybody's just kind of down and over it. And as much as that can be called depression, we have all been in it. And I'm hoping that it will lift as soon as we can all start getting back together again and seeing one another's beautiful faces again and even having fights in person again and just mingling with each other. And there's going to be a chance to mingle with each other this afternoon at the church at two o'clock. If you want to come, um, I will not be there, but my team that has been tasked with listening, um, is going to be there. If you want to come, you don't have to talk about this announcement that I made this week about retiring, but, um, they are going to be there if you want to. So I'm not sure, um, when this depression in the church body is going to lift, but I know it will. And that brings me to another, the final element of loss that I want to talk about. Um, And that is, and I'm going to talk about this more on Easter, Um, that is that once, when you are having a loss, there is always renewal in that. This church will be starting a new chapter. There'll be a new ministry. Um, This church will change, which is horrible and wonderful. And exciting and terrifying and bad and good. Things will change. And there will be renewal. And this is a good and healthy congregation. So what I'm pleading with you for is not to be the person who goes, Ugh, this is just too anxiety provoking. Wake me up when it's over or I'll come back when you have everything back to normal. I'm pleading with you to be the kind of person that steps forward and says, Oh, my church needs me now. My congregation needs my engagement and my presence. My congregation needs my goodwill. And it needs me to help pull through this season. And I will be here. And I will be as present as I know how to be as we grieve together. And that is how you deal with grief. I'm always so mad when people go, are you dealing with your grief? You know, the answer is no. Hell no. I'm not dealing with my grief. Nobody knows how to deal with grief. You just live through it. And you gather your people together. And you live through it together. In a messy way. And an in an incompetent way. And that's okay. Together. Thank you.
And now let there be an offering taken to sustain and to strengthen this place which is sacred to so many of us, place of memory and hope. We are the keepers of the dream of beloved community. Please join me as we extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, The warmth of community are the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Please sing with me if you care to. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.